Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episodes. In the red corner, Toontown's in trouble as Robert Zemeckis rounds up our animated favourites along with some splendid new characters to help Bob Hoskins' booze-soaked P.I. solve the mystery of Acme's missing will. Yes, we all had to watch that poor little shoe get dipped again as from 1988 we're asking, who framed Roger Rabbit? I can give you stars. Just drop the refrigerator in my head one more time. Why don't you wake up dying your head 23 times already? I can take it. Don't worry about me. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about the refrigerator. This is the tale of an up-and-coming movie star named Roger Rabbit and a down-and-out private detective stay out. named Eddie Valiant. Ooga booga. Every moment they were together ah! was a new adventure in trouble. Hide me, Eddie. <laughs> It's a motion picture about friendship. Take it easy, Billy! Please, Eddie! Don't tell me you're making a big mistake! Love. <laughs> Compassion. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears? All in the blue corner, a lonely young man finds a friend in a deer stalker wearing Poecomon. And just in time to help him solve the mystery of his detective dad's disappearance. Thankfully, they're not alone as they'll have help from all the other Poecomon, like Psyduck, Charmander, Squirtle, Happy, Sneezy, Dopey, Porthos, Athos and Aramis. From 2019, it's Detective Pikachu. Someone there? Whoever you are... Oh, jeez. Here we go. I know. You can't understand me. But put down the stapler or I will electrocute you. Did you just talk? Whoa. Did you just understand me? Oh, my God. You can understand me. Stop. I've been so lonely. They try to talk to me all the time. All they hear is Pika Pika. Uh, You can hear him, right? Pika Pika. Yeah. Pika Pika Pika. He's adorable. You're adorable. They can't understand me, kid. Can no one else hear him? 
don't need a Pokemon, period. Then what about a world-class detective? Because if you want to find your pops, I'm your best bet. We're gonna do this, you and me. So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. What do you know about show business? Only that there's no business like it. No business I know. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly, and I've got a 50-year-old lust and a three-year-old dinky. Oh, come on, uh... not straight there. That's the worst <laughs> bit. <laughs> we were talking about where the Roger Rabbit was going to hold up and whether it had aged badly, and you had to go there. Three-year-old dinky. <laughs> it's just so visual. It's so visual. Yes, Who Framed Roger Rabbit versus Detective Pikachu, Chris's choices. And I do not say this very often, Christopher, but thank you. You're welcome. It's <laughs> stunned, right? You yeah. couldn't, couldn't process yeah. that. Yeah, well, I thought we did two 90s thrillers where people are after a killer, and then we did two more 90s thrillers where people are after a killer. Oh, we won't thought, let that go. <laughs> let's mix it up. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, do you want some reasoning? Gets a compliment and then throws it in your face. Cannot take a compliment. Go on. I've wanted to do Roger Rabbit since we started, but only just realised the logical pair. It's November, and these are both our film noirs Mm. for the season. And we haven't done any animated films, and these are two halves of an animated film. So that (laughs) means we've now done one animated film by the end of this session. I did. did Were you aware it was November, Victoria? Oh, you've said it before, but I thought we last year kind of dropped it. Okay, fine, fine. It is November. I just I thought something old, something new. It stopped making me feel so blue. I had a bit of a come down after the live show. It was mm. so much fun. Mm. I wanted it to go on forever. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's great. Right then. So, the clue Chris gave last week was... <laughs> wait, wait for it. <laughs> was... June Noir. <laughs> Junior Noir. June Noir. <laughs> uh, Chris followed that up on Twitter with... A video mm. uh, where I said I had a hard-boiled sweet in my hand. Mm. So we're on Twitter at ClashPod and Instagram at ClashPod. And like the super sleuths you are, you try to figure out the clues uh, with a lot of difficulty, as it turns out. Gemma Page got very close with Bugsy Malone versus Who Framed Roger Rabbit. She was the only other person to mention one of the correct films until only two hours before this very record. (laughs) Andrew Logan came through, snuck in with the correct answer. Who Framed Roger Rabbit versus Detective Pikachu. Congratulations, Andrew. Your prize is TBC, but... Something Poe Kamon related. Getting that pronunciation right for Thursday's show. Yeah, it's really important. Mm. So connection section. I got a great one this week. Can I start? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. My first one is going to blow your mind. Yeah. Hats. <laughs> Pikachu and Bob Hoskins both wear hats. Amazing. Thanks. Uh, detective with a death in the family doesn't trust animated sidekick. Uh, boiled detectives though one's hard boiled and the other one is quite soft I would say okay Um, better than hats better than hats (laughs) it is better than hats hats was meant to be a joke I realise hats I'm building up to the actual best one which is my final one but villains plans that both involve a chemical of some description gas or dip Mm. dip or gas and they're very bond villains because they sort of spill the beans then bugger off before doing what they should have done (laughs) Any more? No, I don't. There's loads, but come on, let's just get going. I've got a really good one, though. Can okay. I do my good one? Yeah? Yeah. All right. 1989's Batman the Movie. Mm. So Jack mm-hmm. Nicholson was considered for the role of Eddie Valiant in Roger Rabbit, and the climax of Detective Pikachu is exactly the same as his Jokers 
in Batman the movie oh, from 1989. Yeah. A balloon parade yeah. full of gas. Yeah. Oh my That's God. my good one. That's my good one. That's a great one. Okay, so on Thursday, I'm heading to Rhyme City with you, you, and Mewtwo <laughs> in Detective Pikachu, which means today, I'm happy to laugh at my own joke, which means today, <laughs> Vicky is saying, that's right, my dears, I'd love to embrace you, but first I have to satisfy my sense of moral outrage. <laughs> outrage. Anyway, uh, two framed Roger Rabbit V takes <laughs> on a journey. <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit follows real-life detective Eddie Valiant as he struggles to reconcile his hatred of animation while exonerating the falsely accused toon Roger Rabbit of a comedy murder. This is apparently a PG movie, and it sounds like one, so I used my parental guidance to show it to some five-year-old boys, and I forgot about the swearing, death, depression and alcoholism, how to explain a honey trap and sexual infidelity to children, and how to explain any of Jessica Rabbit. How can she see? I was asked. Where is her nose? How can she walk? Does she love Roger? Her boobies. Oh, that's enough, kids. Let's concentrate on her relationship with Roger. Yes, she loves him. He's not a murderer. That would be scary Judge Doom, who tries to off the tunes with a horrifying dip, then he's melted by his own invention. But then I had to turn it off because the youngest child was in tears. Did I mention how scary Toon Doom is? So it turns out my parental guidance is bollocks. So thanks a million for that. <laughs> Wait, more or less difficult than having to explain what happened to Artex in the never-ending story? Significantly more. Really? Yeah. It just keeps coming. <laughs> Had you forgotten Roger Rabbit when you showed them? Yeah. So, well, How old are they again? Uh, six, five and five. <laughs> Sorry. Got, got there in the end. <laughs> <laughs> six, five and five. Okay. Yeah. And did they have a lot of questions then? They had those types of questions. Hmm particularly when we talk about the metaphors for sex, because you, you can't explain a metaphor for sex without really explaining what sex is. Mm. And we're not there yet. So, ugh, I don't know. I nearly turned it off, to be honest. I just got so bored of being asked constant questions. <laughs> it's a very confusing film when you're a child, though. I can yeah. remember being very confused. Yeah. Well, and like, to be honest, as an adult, I'm still a bit confused by some of the things that are said and done in this film. Plot-wise, yeah, I think it's a little bit complicated. But that actually that will uh, blend neatly into the history section. Mm. Because I did see this when I was a child, and I'm pretty sure I went to the cinema to see it. So even though it's a PG... And I would have been six or seven, which is why I thought it was all right to show it to the six-year-old. Mm. I'm pretty sure I went to the cinema. I remember being sat there with my dad and my sister. And we were, we didn't have those questions, which is why I was a bit hopeful. Uh, but maybe we we're just naive idiots. Um, but I just remember being completely blown away by it. I was just dazzled by it. I thought it was incredible. And I don't think I've watched it since then. What about you? Chris? Uh, I spoke to my brother about this. And we both remember going to the cinema with a big bunch of friends to see it. But my abiding memories is of all, us all being excited in the foyer beforehand and then all going for McDonald's afterwards. I remember going for McDonald's uh, afterwards. My, my brother's main memory is more than McDonald's than the film. So <laughs> this is, they were, were there toy tie-in? They weren't toy uh, toy toy-ins. They yeah. weren't toy yeah. No, they're toy-ins. Toy-ins. You're welcome, capitalism. Yeah. Just I, call them toy-ins. I can't remember. I do remember there was anticipation. Obviously, we didn't have the internet and trailers and all that kind of thing uh, that you could look at all the time. But it came out in the summer in America and we got it at Christmas and it was all over the TV. There were like behind-the-scenes specials. I think I learned a lot about 
the making of movies from the build up to this film. But like you, it's not really a film I've visited since. No. What about you? Uh, I watched it on video. I didn't get to go to the cinema to see it. No, oh, we had no, no for cinema tickets. <laughs> no McDonald's for Alex. <laughs> Weirdly, I do remember what a treat it was going for McDonald's, though. Oh, yeah. It was a <laughs> massive the kid treat. in Santa Claus the movie. <laughs> <laughs> do watch that episode. I'll listen to it even. <laughs> and my face pressed up against the glass. And then Vicky came out and gave me a can of Coke. And some ham. <laughs> Big ham. <laughs> We've done that. Remember when McDonald's used to serve massive ham? Oh, great days. Uh, So, yeah, I watched it on VHS when I was about 10 years old, I think. So maybe a couple of years after it had come out on video. Uh, Still young enough to be totally freaked out by Judge Doom's death. Yeah. Um, But I do remember adoring it. I remember absolutely loving this movie. But unlike you, I have watched it probably about five or six times in the intervening years. And every time I've enjoyed it. It hasn't dimmed with age, in my opinion. I really love this movie. Brilliant. All right. Well, let's just do a bit of background. So I'm I have, I'm going to credit some source material because I have lifted quite a lot and it would be very rude not to. So a lot of this is from an article called The Roger Rabbit That Never Was by Wade Sampson writing for mouseplanet.com. There we are. Due diligence. Okay. So uh, the film is very loosely based. Mouse Planet. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know it's not a highfalutin source. It's my, that's my homepage. <laughs> Sorry, is there an innuendo I've missed? No. Are you sure? It's just a Disney thing, no? Yeah, sure. Okay. Jesus. (laughs) Put the mouse back in the house and get on with it. Wait, see, is that rude? No. no? (laughs) Just do. All right, fine, fine, fine. fine. Wish we had Wade here. Yeah. (laughs) Whoever they are. So, anyway, it's loosely based on a book called Who Censored Roger Rabbit by Gary Wolfe, which is a surreal spoof of the traditional hard boiled detective novel, Think Raymond Chandler. I read it. Did you? I read it for this. Oh, is it good? I'll briefly say what sort of difference. So it's set in the present day, which is the early 80s. That's when it was written. Um, Roger's murdered at the beginning of it. Jessica doesn't love him. Uh, It's all about some pornographic photos that were taken of her. Uh, All the the, um, characters talking speech bubbles, the non-humans, above their head. Uh, Because Roger's dead, it's his doppelganger that appears before he dies. That's the character we follow around. Uh, It ends up being a genie from a bottle responsible for Roger's murders, apart from the murder that Roger did himself. And he dies at the end. So it's... It's much more adult than even the film is. Yeah, very different. Well, I think... Are you going to give it to your kids? (laughs) Have a read of this. I think the intention was to do that. So Ron Miller, who founded Touchstone, as as we all know today, we've done loads of Touchstone movies in the past few weeks, haven't we? Uh, Anyway, to do more adult-oriented stuff, he got hold of the book before it was published and he thought, dark as it was, it'd be great for Disney. Um, But a lot of people at Disney didn't feel like that. But anyway, it sort of like plows on and you get um, former advertising copywriters Jeffrey Price and Peter Seaman doing 10 drafts. And over those 10 drafts, they move the story to the 40s to lean into this hardball detective stuff and also the golden time of animation um, to try and open it up to characters from studios other than Disney. But the other studios said no. Mm. So um, they did go ahead with some test footage and like pencil test animation. And they discussed directors, including Steven Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis and Joe Dante. But it gathers dust for a bit. And then in 1986... Disney gets Spielberg and Amblin Entertainment on board and Spielberg just persuades other studios to lend them their characters for like crazy low money. There really are very few people, I think, in Hollywood who could do that. But I think Spielberg is the guy who can go, come on. Just let it happen. Come on. Yeah. And... I mean, so the, so the, this article gets quite deep into this, but it, and it is funny, but it's totally what you'd expect from the system. So you end up having these arguments about like due prominence for the characters. So mm. Donald Duck and Daffy Duck have to have have to appear in, 
<laughs> Such a stupid sentence. Equally talented dueling pianist. <laughs> <laughs> Was Steve McQueen involved in this? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like his work. And if you're going to have Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny, they need to be in the same scene with the same time and all the rest of it and, and so on. I think both those moments work. For me, it's the bit at the end where yeah. Porky Pig does his classic, that's all, folks. Yeah. And you're like, great, that's how it ends. And then Disney go... It's our movie. Yeah. Tinkerbell's just going to fly by. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, come on. Yeah, it's like the speech in Bridesmaids. Like, when is it ever going to end? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, as you said, Chris, um, this new version of Roger Rabbit, so now we're in 86, is much different to the Ron Miller version that he wanted, which is from the um, from the book. So um, Richard Williams, who's the animation director, he sounds like a fun guy. Talking about like what? Roger is going to look like. He said, the rabbit is a Frankenstein job. A bit from this, a bit from that. It's a series of cliches pushed into new forms. This is the animator, bear in mind. Um, And Richard Williams, he sounds fun because he wouldn't go to Hollywood to do the animation. So they had to come here and they went to Camden. (laughs) It just blows my mind. Um, yeah, the 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 Frankenstein. He said it's uh, Roger's got Bugs Bunny's cheeks, Porky part, a Porky's bow tie, Goofy's trousers, Mickey Mouse's yellow hands, and red, white, and blue colours. So it's like the American flag. I yeah. think he also said he had Tex Avery's cashew yeah. nut shaped head. Yeah, which he does. Mm. So just just like to try and keep everybody happy. Um, so then directing. So by the time it came back round, Zemeckis had Back to the Future done, so he was hot again. Um, although apparently Terry Gilliam passed it. I passed on it rather, said no. Um, which, which he regrets. Which he does regret. Yeah. He um, says it was pure laziness because it sounded too difficult. It does sound difficult. <laughs> I mean, it does, granted, but he does regret it because he was like, on, I got the Blu ray and on the documentaries, the guys that made it all said it was by far the worst experience of their careers mm. in, in terms of difficulty and pain, but also the best experience because of what they created at the end of it. So, yeah, yeah double-edged sword working on this one. Uh, Richard Williams, uh, who, as you said, he was the living pencil on this film. He would follow women around London um, for hours on end to figure out how Jessica would look and walk. Well, she doesn't look like a single woman on the planet, so well, I don't know. So I retract everything I just said about Richard Williams. He doesn't sound like a fun guy. He Jamie sounds like a dick. Dornan did that for a role as a serial killer. Oh, my God, no. He's, yeah, he got in to trouble get... for that, didn't he? He got told <laughs> for off for that. For that BBC thing? Yes. Oh, yeah, my God, that said, is the scariest thing I've ever seen. He said he wanted seen. to know what it was like to stalk someone, so he followed a woman out of a tube around about six corners and then went, what are you doing? You to can't himself do that. To, <laughs> that was just, just too, too much. Mm. Should have stopped. Yep. That baby, that, well, I Just, can't remember what it's called. The one with um, Gillian Anderson. Yeah. Fuck me, that's scary. Fucking hell. Uh, anyway, so um, a huge list of like really well-known names were in the running or offered or, or turn it down or whatever to play Eddie Valiant. So as you said, Jack Nicholson, but also Harrison Ford, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy. Did I say that already? Robin Williams, Robert Redford, Sylvester Stallone, Wallace Shawn, Ed Harris. Like just basically everyone. And... Who originally auditioned for Judge Doom? Tim Curry, but he was too scary. (laughs) (laughs) They said he was too scary so they wouldn't give it to him. And that completes this week's ligatory Tim Curry reference. Yeah, John Cleese expressed interest, which can mean a lot of things, uh, but was deemed not scary enough. Mm, Not true. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Um, But obviously Christopher Lloyd, having worked with Zemeckis, gets that but did you did you see the test that they did initially uh to prove to disney that this would work uh they had someone else playing eddie valiant uh joey pants joe pantaliano oh, oh, yeah, oh really 
really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like standing yeah. as a stand-in or just... No, he's Eddie Valiant and they animated um, Roger Rabbit falling down some stairs and into a bin next to him and he sort of shouts at Roger. It only lasts for 30 seconds, but that's what got the movie made because the, the bigwigs at Disney wanted to know that this would not look ridiculous. Right, yeah. And I think they showed it to them and they said, yeah, the guy in the rabbit suit looks amazing. They didn't realise it was an animated rabbit, <laughs> so they, it had worked, basically. <laughs> um, and although she's uncredited, it's Kathleen Turner as the voice of Jessica Rabbit. I don't know why she's uncredited. If anybody knows, you can tell me. But I did read an interview with Kathleen Turner about some of her most iconic roles over the years. And the interviewer wanted, really wanted to talk about Jessica Rabbit, but what they really wanted to know was, does she love Roger? And she was like, 100%, that woman loves Roger. Mm. So that's the definitive answer there. Yeah. She does love him. She does. She does not in the book. She does in the film. <laughs> um, I think that's it. So, yeah, like you said, it was a nightmare to work on. It ran over budget. Everybody hated it. But when it was released, it had the highest budget of any film released to date at that time, which was $70 million. But its box office is around 330 So happy days. The only bit that I really liked that didn't make it in that was talked about in production, because there's loads of bits that they thought about doing that they didn't do, was that Judge Doom, that character, was originally going to be the hunter who killed Bambi's mother. Yeah, mm. I read that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. I thought that would have been good. God, that's the kids asked me about Bambi as well, because they've never they were like they saw it on the net, they're like Bambi. I was like, it's Bambi, but never mind. <laughs> Back to school for you. <laughs> and they were like, what happened? So I was like, <laughs> Bambi. Oh, Bambi. I was like, well, there's like a deer, and then his mum gets killed, and then the little one. And again, was like, what? And then they looked at me and they said, but he's got a dad though, right? And I was like, well, no, he's just alone then. Actually, that's true. What is, where is Bambi's father figure? Father figure in that. I don't know. Wow. Deadbeat dad. Jesus Christ. I know. As if that wasn't harrowing enough. He's all alone in the world. Anyway, that's a sidebar. So, yes, shall we talk about the film? Sure. All right, lovely. So we open with a maroon cartoon, which is Baby Herman and Roger Rabbit in Something Cooking. When I watched this when I was seven, when I watched it last week, I still thought it was a warm-up, like, you know, what they used to do in the pictures right. um, to get to warm up the projection. How do you? I know. <laughs> but I do remember going to the cinema and having a cartoon. Do I remember that? Yeah, I mean, well, you might be... in the Yeah, in the 50s, definitely. <laughs> but you might be confusing it because after this, after the success of Roger Rabbit, they put a few Roger Rabbit cartoons in front of cinema releases. As we previously discussed on Honey, yeah. I Shrunk the Kids. Exactly. Honey oh, Trouble. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe I'm thinking of that. But I still thought it. So the feeling when a real-life human shouts, cut, and then you realise you're watching the film of a, of a cartoon mm. and the tunes are real in their, in their animated way... It blew me away when I was seven, and it still did it this week. I was like, wow, that's yeah. amazing. It's a weird one, isn't it? It cheats, though, and it's the only time it really cheats in the whole movie because you're watching a cartoon, and it's on a cartoon set, and then when they go, bam, we're actually in the real world, the characters are still cartoons, but the set that they are on suddenly becomes a real physical set. Yes. Whereas Toontown itself is all is animated. All animated, yeah. That's a good point. I wonder why they did that. Do you want to know who uh, Raul J. Raul is played by? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Joel Silver. No! Yeah, that's Joel Silver. <laughs> it was apparently a prank on Disney chief Michael Eisner by Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg because Eisner and Silver hated each other from their days at Paramount because of difficulties working on 48 hours. So Silver shaved off his beard, paid his own expenses, kept his name off the call sheet and uh, went and played that role just to piss off Eisner. Lovely. At the behest of Zemeckis and Spielberg, apparently when Eisner saw it, he went... Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> I'm not bothered, actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the joke's on you. Yeah. <laughs> know, my movie's good. So. I remember thinking Something Cooking was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. 
1988. Genuinely, yeah, it's, it's a clever. massive swing for this movie because as we proved with Stay Tuned, if you have a fantastic cartoon in it, it's difficult for anything to live up to that. It, yeah. It's got a real Final Destination vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And... um. And it's there. It's got a thematic purpose as well, or not thematic, but more character based, because it's there to show the audience how Roger's different to Bugs Bunny, because that's who he's going to get compared to. Okay. And Bugs Bunny is a bastard, essentially, <laughs> and Roger's a victim, and so it sets him up. Yeah, and he's he, he will try hard, and he's a good person, yeah. good rabbit, etc. So, uh, as we said, it's Hollywood and it's 1947. So something is afoot. And I'm going to put in quote, hard boiled in quote marks, because I think that's what you were alluding to, Chris. That he's not especially, he's, I think, because it's lovely Bob Hoskins, who I know is meant to be like a gangster, not in real life. Um, but just, he's just such a, he just seems like such a sweet person. And a little bit later, when he's looking at his holiday pictures with Dolores and his brother, he's just like, oh, lovely Bob Hoskins. I don't gangster. think he seems sweet at first when you first see him and he's swigging and saying how much he hates them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think just, that that, that he, comes. I don't know. I think I think his warmth as an actor like comes through. Yeah. I, I just think the bit where you know he's summed up. He just goes tunes at the start, and that's like right. I get him. Done. He, he doesn't like tunes mm. in, in one word and a sound. It's a, it's yeah. a great introduction to the character. Yeah. It is. Uh, so Eddie is sent by Maroon to follow Jessica Rabbit because he's convinced she's up to no good. Roger thinks she's Betty Crocker, but she's not bad. She's just... Drawn that way. Nice. That's from yeah. the book. That's one of the few things that made oh, it really? in the book. It's a good line. Kathleen you know Turner said that was the line that convinced her to do it because like, how could you... She knows what her voice sounds like. Like, How could you resist doing that? Mm. Do you not get blown away at the start where you see all the... Because seeing Roger, it's like, oh, this is a new character. Baby Herman's a new character. But when Dumbo appears at the window and, yeah. like, and R.K. Maroon goes, yeah, I've got him alone from Disney along with half the cast of Fantasia. Yeah. And you're like, doesn't need the Fantasia, but it's Dumbo. But that sets up that little joke later where there's a guy playing the sax to the animated brooms, the Fantasia tune, oh, yeah. to make them sweep up. So it's setting you up for a gag about 30 seconds in the future. That's great. Do you, yeah. do you know who's voicing Dumbo? I do not. Have a think. Paul Tim Rubens. Corey. No. Someone we used to talk about a lot on this podcast back in the day. Oh, oh, Frank, oh, wait, Frank, Frank, Frank Wilker. Wilker. Yes. <laughs> a point to both of you. Yay. <laughs> oh, that's God, good. there's that buzz again. Man, that is addictive. <laughs> it's coming soon. Wow. Okay. Did you see when um, Valiant hops on the red car? Yeah. On the back of the tram. And um, and it's like, obviously, you, you realise, because he goes, we have the best public transport system yeah. in the world. You're ha, like, ha, ha. so this is going to be part of the plot then, because yeah. that's unnecessary. The kids are all smoking Lucky Strikes. Yeah. yeah. Tr- tricky. And then Mark walked into the... I'm showing it to the kids. I was like, I hope they don't... Because there, there's no smoking in anything these days, and that's good. Mark walks in. I was like, don't draw it. And he's like, God, you never see people smoking in kids' films anymore. And then I was like, don't say that, because now they're going to say... They don't know what smoking is, I don't think. So I don't want to have to answer that question. Mm. So first strike... For it's, this film. I just, Lucky strike. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's set in 1947, but arguably, fine. You don't need to go, in 1947, little toe rag kids would be smoking. <laughs> it, we don't need to see that. Yeah. And we certainly don't need Valiant to then get off the red car and yep. go, thanks for the cigarettes. It's yep. like, are you... Have you got some money from Big Tobacco? I mean, maybe. I mean, that's all it can be. Yeah. Thanks for these they, cigarettes, which are delicious, by the way. They, they they did get offered a hundred grand by a drinks company to sponsor the alcohol that Roger drinks. And Zemeckis said, we we went back to the company and said, look, it makes him go nuts and hit the roof and nearly die. Like, are you sure? They were like, no, we want a part of this. And it was Disney that said no. Zemeckis was fine with it. But yeah. Disney said, we can't have a, an official alcohol sponsor in this. But an unofficial fag sponsor yeah. is absolutely fine. Uh, so yeah, like you say, a bit of character for Eddie. He hates tunes because one dropped a piano on his brother's 
uh, head, his brother Teddy. Did I you mean, laugh? I laughed my ass yeah, off. Okay, good. Like, it's but, such, it's so funny. I think, but also it's, it's good because of Bob Hoskins because he's taking it. He has to take it seriously, but he's just the right side of that. Like if you took it too seriously, you would be laughing at him, but you feel sorry for him. Also, the gag works. It's hilarious because it's Dolores who actually says it. Isn't yeah, it? she delivers mm. it. She's really good in this. Right. She's Cassidy. brilliant in yeah. it. Uh, so then we're off to the Ink and Paint Club to watch Jessica sing. Eddie can't believe she's married to Roger. Why is that? Because what? she's incredibly sexy and he's a bit of a loser. <laughs> she's fit as fuck. I've just got a note here. I just want to talk about it because... Of course you do. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean... <laughs> at no point did I walk onto this show going, we're probably going to skim over Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> but let's talk about it. I don't know. My I'd like is... to skim over Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so the trouble is, I got obsessed with... Like, there's so much on YouTube about humanising Jessica Rabbit. So I was really interested in that because the way that her face is drawn and the way her body is drawn and stuff like that. And so there's loads of Photoshop artists that are like, this is how you make it look like a real person. But when you bring that up on Google, what it also brings up is a lot of fan art about Jessica Rabbit. And that is not something I feel I needed to see this mm. week. A lot of a lot of BDSM involving Jessica Rabbit. And then so many women being like, I've come as, oh my God, did you see Heidi Klum just as Jessica Rabbit for Halloween years ago? Yes. It's terrifying mm. because she's done the chest thing and you can, oh man, you know, she looks incredible, but it's actually quite scary. I mean, I don't want to scare you, Victoria, but you can pretty much type in any cartoon character <laughs> from modern popular culture and find BDSM images. That's how yeah. Alex spends his weekends. Mm. But I just... I've I never looked at Marge Simpson the same way. Oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah. whoa. It's all there. <laughs> all for the looking. I mean, Jessica Rabbit, she obviously, she isn't, she isn't representative of a human woman, but that's she's very you know a woman like that couldn't literally wouldn't be able to walk, wouldn't be able to stand up straight, and yeah, all the rest of it. But it's, it, yeah, as that as that as as what's his name, Richard Williams says, she'd fall over if she was real. But animation should be about believable impossibilities. Yeah, how yeah, puts it. And one of the things he they did with her character that sort of does something with your subconscious is they reversed the anatomic movements of a human being. So when a human's breast would go up, hers go down, wow. and vice versa. Mm. And so it sets something weird off in your brain when you're watching her that you can't quite yeah. put your finger yeah. on. I don't think you're looking at her going, I wish she was real. No, I, I, mean, I agree with you. Because in the same breath, you know, I find the uh, Cadbury's Caramel Bunny incredibly oh, sexy. Hello. But if I you saw a humanoid you. rabbit coming towards me, they could be going, Cadbury's Caramel Bunny. It's a massive <laughs> rabbit woman. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like seven-year-old me, I understand. She made a huge impression on me because you're like, when you're seven, I was like, she's so pretty. And then I still and I still think she's very pretty, but I can see now. I don't think I was looking at her chest, but the way that her shoulders are sort of adjacent to her huge rack and all the rest of it wasn't looking at her breast. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, these three boys, I was they were like, "What is that?" And I was like, "It's really hard to explain." Right, some- Disney have decided she's a bit of a problem now, though. Yeah, she's. Um, do you want to talk about it later or now what they're doing no, at the theme it. park? Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the Roger Rabbit ride is part of the theme park. Um, They've removed her. But their argument is that they've removed her not because of her appearance so much, but because of the image that she was in. She was sort of bound by her ankles and hands nice. in the boot of a car because it's a car chase and the weasels have kidnapped her and you're sort of chasing her to save her. And they've gone, we don't want that anymore. So they've taken her out and replaced her with some barrels of dip and they've modified the ride now to turn her into the detective. PI detective. Yeah. yeah, And they've given her a trench coat and a hat so she's all oh. covered up. But it's sparked a bit of debate because a lot of people are like, well, why, you know, she's an empowered woman yes. in this um film i don't disagree. so so why are we now in a position where 
she has to dress in a trench coat. She can dress how she wants and still be empowered. Yes, that's true. I mean, that's, I think, seven-year-old me and 40 year old me, I don't have a problem with her because she's not a damsel in distress. She doesn't no. get kidnapped and she doesn't need saving and she has agency and she might be a baddie, but she's actually a goodie. And she, you know, she's she's doing, she's making her own money and doing whatever, blah, blah, blah. So the way she looks, to me, sort of played second fiddle to that. If she looked the way she did and was in peril, big problems. Is, she your, not... is she your favourite Disney princess? Uh, no, she's not my favourite Disney princess. <laughs> she doesn't get included in Do those Do you know ways. what? I d- that's the first time anyone's ever asked me that question because I don't have girl children. Mm. But if you, you know, if you're around some girl children, I mean, Leo quite likes Disney princesses, but not enough for, for me to have been asked... My favourite Disney princess is... Fuck, I don't know him. I'm just going to say Jasmine because I really like Aladdin. What about you? Uh, weirdly, I don't have one, uh, but Jessica okay. Rabbit. So <laughs> Disney do not like Jessica Rabbit, though. Zemeckis has said that their opinion of Jessica is a big problem for ever getting a sequel off the ground because they're not fans. You can't do it now and have a woman dressed like that. It's not her face. It's not her dress. It's her boobs. <laughs> you just They're impractical. So, yeah, you couldn't do that. People say she's just a big pair of tits. <laughs> um, boring trivia. Uh, Jessica's performance model in this scene in the bar is an actress called Betsy Brantley, who married Steven Soderbergh a year later. Really? <laughs> Bit boring trivia. It's not Kathleen Turner who's singing the song. No. no it's no. Amy Irvine. Spielberg's. Spielberg's wife. missus, yeah. Wife at the yeah. time, yeah. And she's excellent. Bit more boring trivia. This was a scene with the dueling well, maybe ducks. Maybe not prefix it with boring. If you're <laughs> yeah. well, it. Only do it once. Yeah. People are listening to this and I it's, think they're expecting to be entertained. It's like the scar scene in Jaws, just boring. It's like, what have you got? I'll have boring you. I'll always win. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, they, the Warner Brothers weren't happy with the design that Robert Zemeckis wanted to use for Daffy Duck. Uh, because yeah. Then they wanted the Chuck Jones version and uh, they used the Bob Clampett version. And he does look different to the Daffy Eye Certainly remember more, which was the Chuck Jones version. Sure. Yeah, that is definitely boring. Mm. Let's carry on. (laughs) Have I I won? That was in my notes. And I took it out because it was legitimately boring. Well, I prefixed it with boring. (laughs) So anyway, this is where I had a big trouble with the children. So Jessica is playing patty cake with um, Acme, Marvin Acme. Disgusting. Which which in this film is shagging. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. This is something I didn't understand when I was a child. And then as a grown-up, I still don't quite understand. It's a joke for the grown-ups. You know, the sure. way that the way that Eddie's like eyes are on stalks when he's taking the pictures, the way she le- she's getting him to do something, and it's meant to be a honey trap kind of thing. I don't think it I don't think Eddie's eyes are on stalks for that reason. I think he can't believe that this is what he's been asked to take photographs of. I don't think he's like, oh, I can't believe they're playing playing patty cake. Mm. Or does he know? Does he know that in tune town, patty cake is like you just don't do it with anyone but your partner? <laughs> I think it was because they didn't want to show a kiss or anything sexual. Right. I, I mean, I just spent, for, I watched this when I was 10 in 1988. I was spent the next sort of 20 years waiting to find out what patty cake was. Yeah. Until you said, oh, no, it wasn't really anything. No, you suggested that in the bedroom to be met with a confused look. Or a Jessica Rabbit orgasm because she does make some mm. very powerful noises. <laughs> but I think that's to make you, th- I think that's to set up the, the joke that sure. it's not sex. Yes. Yeah. But she does really love patty cake. She does. And if you're she really does. good at it, it is a very rewarding game. <laughs> That's today's quiz. (laughs) Uh, I think we should have a break. (laughs) Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, so because of the quote marks patty cake, when Marvin Acme, who's the guy who owns Toontown, ends up dead, Roger is accused. So then um, Eddie is investigating and we meet Judge Doom. Now, seven-year-old me, 40-year-old me, he's a judge. Is this correct? Like, is his, his job... I found the power structures difficult to delineate. Are you asking if his name is Judge Doom? <laughs> like, is he... uh, or is he a judge? He's well, a judge. Because he's very obviously a baddie. Mm. So, like, when he turns... He doesn't look much like a judge. I mean, he's got a cloak on, but... They don't have to wear the wigs in America, though. No. Um... I don't are you know. saying all judges are goodies? No, I'm not, Chris. I told you I'm reading this John Grisham novel. Oh, <laughs> no. It's about a murdering judge. <laughs> You're not Doom. still reading it. I'm still reading it, and then I'll get on to Roscoe. <laughs> it's really hard to read. <laughs> For an idiot, yeah. Roscoe is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think maybe... I mean, this is just sort of um, being pedantic, possibly for the sake of it. Maybe we could have hidden... That Doom is a baddie till maybe a little bit later on. Like maybe he could look like a sort of an officious judge mm-hmm. who's in, in, you know, is interested in the sort of goings on. Um, but anyway, the big moment here that we all want to talk about is Doom's got a dip to punish the tunes because obviously they can't die. And the dip is a mix of turpentine, acetone, and benzene, which is oil, paint thinner, and film dissolver. So in the real world, I, apparently, that would melt an animation cell. What we're building up to, though, is the shoe, mm-hmm. because I remembered the shoe, but my brain had blanked out the sheer, like, spine-chilling horror of the shoe moment. So this cute little shoe, cartoon shoe, is like the test case to show what this dip can do, and he dips the shoe and it dies. So I was really running the scene to be like, why has it affected me so badly? Because the, my children, they didn't really notice. So I was like, so what's the going on here? And I don't know, maybe they're just brutal, but... What the thing about the shoe is, it's the way that when Doom is holding it over the dip, it looks back at him to say, this has gone far enough. Mm. Oh, God, it's yeah. horrible. And the voice, voice acting is incredible. Do you know does the voice of the shoe? I do, but you yeah, see. It's uh, Nancy Cartwright, Bart Simpson. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the shoe thing broke me last time yeah. I watched it. But every time I've watched it, it's so sad. But it's the eyes. I think it, it also looks at him like, I can't, you're not going to do this. Yep. Though. It's like because they're there to please humans and it just doesn't yeah. understand why a human is going to try and hurt it. Yeah. It's horrible. Awful. Isn't it horrible? It's awful. And um, one thing I did want to mention, just because I've watched this movie, like I said, seven or eight times, and I spotted something that I've never spotted before in this film, which makes me love it even more. You know the bit that you mentioned at the start where Valiant's looking at the photos in the apartment? And yes. Some incredible face acting. Oh my god! From Bob Hoskins, yeah. the way he's looking at the photos uh, and he's smiling, and he's got that big beam on his face, yeah, like his oh. lovely face. And yeah. then, bang! He sees his brother, and it just yeah. drops. Mm-hmm. 
But as the camera pans around the table to all the little trinkets and bits and pieces from their time working together in the headlines, like the nephews kidnapped Huey, Louie, yeah, Dewey, yeah, which that's is awesome. funny. <laughs> It lands on a photo of them with their dad as kids. Yes. And they're all dressed as clowns. Yes. Which I'd never noticed before, but then obviously ties into how he can do that clowning dance mm. at the end. Oh, yeah. of and course. I'd never put two and two together. To me, that had always been like, oh, he's just suddenly come up with this plan to clown around. Yeah. But it's actually a skill he had from a kid. That's awesome. Yeah, like the P.T. Barnum thing. Mm. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, because the, the dance bit, of the, is, I do find it quite jarring, but. With a bit, if I caught that explanation, it would be much more satisfying. I like that. Don't you like that? So yeah. subtle. Yeah. Too subtle, but still. <laughs> very, very subtle. Very subtle. Seven watches to spot it and <laughs> yeah. then for work. 20 years. So Roger says he didn't do the bad murder. And then we've got this other sort of MacGuffin, which is there's a missing will of Acme's that needs to turn up by midnight. Otherwise, Cloverleaf, which is this bad corporation, will own Toontown. Um, so even though he hates Toons, Valiant teams up with Roger. Another challenge here, there's there's so much more talk about his alcoholism than I remember. And it's not, it's fine. It's a kid's film, whatever. But they do talk about it quite a lot. So someone's like, oh, are you, what's your name? Are you Jack Daniels? They talk about, they can smell it on him. You see him drink. I mean, they should have got a drink sponsor because whatever that murky liquid is that he drinks in um, Maroon's office doesn't look like alcohol, but whatever. So he does have this arc of like, because he drinks and drinks until he doesn't, until he then shoots the bottle. So, I don't know. I mean, is it a bit dark for a kid's film? It's not a kid's film. So I feel like we're well, sta- aren't yeah. we establishing that today. But there is, there, you went to see it when you were a child thinking mm. it was a kid's film. You didn't think you were mm-hmm. going to see anything naughty. No. So, is context is everything, isn't it? Like It is a kid's film. It's a kid's film. It's a kid's film that they just don't make for kids anymore. But this is the kind of movie that was for kids at that period in 1988. This is a kid's movie in the same way Ghostbusters is a kid's movie, but it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> this one made me feel very strange when I was a kid. It was because you were aroused. That's mm. all it is. You weren't bothered about the alcohol. Just confused. Exactly. I was confused Your by a lot of three-year-old dinky didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, how do you feel about that baby Herman scene where he's like, I shut up, I'm broad. horrified, horrified. you got the IQ of a rattle. <laughs> I find that more troubling than anything else in the movie. Just... The line about his three-year-old dinky is mm. super upsetting. It, I've got a 50-year-old lust and a three-year-old dinky. Also, isn't a 50-year-old lust sort of on the wane a bit? It would make more sense if he was like, I'm 21 and I'm ready to go. I'll tell you in 15 years. 15 years. <laughs> it's funny, um, Charles Leisher, who plays uh, Roger, is they all agree he's deranged and he insisted on wearing a rabbit outfit yeah. while he was on set doing the lines which is hilarious to watch he just never really comes out of character they all agree he's deranged yeah he's a madman <laughs> he's standing there with a carrot he's not in the film doing this <laughs> he just did it himself and um Lou Hirsch, who plays baby herman was doing the same job and he said i'm not putting on a nappy <laughs> <laughs> and he he looks how baby herman sounds he's like larger balding big mustache so yeah, yeah he yeah i think the, there's a Cognitive, not cognitive dissonance. There's a schism or a gap somewhere because Baby Herman is like a horrible, entitled, presumably quite wealthy old man in a baby's body. So yeah. this woman puts up with this shit because he's got power and she wants to sort of, you know, be near that or whatever. But then he cries like a baby when he drops his cigar. So it was just like, oh, I don't really know what to do with those emotions. Like he's a funny character. The line about his willy, I could do without. But... Yeah. You don't want to be ever thinking, oh, three. I mean, I know what a three-year-old Willie looks like, but, Good. you know. Good. It's because it's a, it's an adult film. Because we're about <laughs> yeah. to get into probate. I did get that 
I got a, I, yeah, I got a flash of like, I need to turn this off. But if I turn it off, they'll go bananas at me. Were so. they were they really into the stuff about probate? <laughs> Again, this is not a kids' film. <laughs> yeah, what's the, the probate? Is... When someone leaves a will, but it's unsigned. <laughs> Do you not find that the best kids' movies that we watched at that age were movies that you didn't fully understand because you wanted to understand them because it felt like, oh, I don't understand this, so this isn't for me. So you're even more into it. I think the yeah. worst thing you can do is a as a filmmaker is make a film for kids that basically kids go I'm too smart for this yeah, because I they're not interested in it make a sci-fi space opera about trade deals that's what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right I think today's animated films or kids films the big grown up stuff they try to do is more which I think is to the good which is uh, more about you know equal representation and the power of love and hope and choices and all the rest of it no they Whereas figured this... it out they figured out how to make joke. it's Pixar we're talking about basically yeah, yeah, they yeah. figured out how to make films that appeal to adults and children the like and don't have stuff that make the children too confused or the adults too uncomfortable. Yeah. This film I feel is right in the no, it doesn't it doesn't hit on either side. Yeah. Mm. I know that of the two, the kids preferred this one because they knew that there was stuff they didn't get was obviously Peter Chu is like aimed at them. Exactly what I'm saying. You know, it's exciting. It's exciting to a child. I remember being excited watching this. Yeah, probate is exciting. (laughs) Did they (laughs) what's he talking about? Did they love it? Like compared to, for example, a, a, a film that they watched recently, a modern film, like a Marvel movie. I don't know what they've seen recently, but like something, something designed. For yeah, I think of all the, the stuff that they've watched lately, this is something that they will remember me sitting them down and, and making them watch this because the eldest one is still talking about it. And for the <laughs> mummy, first time, don't make me watch it again. Because I explained, so I was like, listen, mummy's got to do this thing for work. So let's, because I never really tell them what's going on. And then they watched it and he was like, what else are you watching? What are you watching next week? Like the eldest, the other two weren't really bothered. And I was like, well, they're more grown up films. And he's like, and he said to me, well, if you're ever doing Roger Rabbit again, can we watch it again? So I was like, oh, did you really love it then? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, that's great. Yeah. We should do society again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where are we? Oh, so Doom is on to Roger. So Roger is hiding in Dolores's bar and you have given uh, Joanna Cassidy a shout out, but mm. I will give her another shout out because I think Dolores is really brilliant in this. I love the fact that it's quite a grown up love story, that she loves Eddie, even though Eddie's a little bit hopeless until he sorts himself out through the story that he's involved in in this. And also, I know I shouldn't bang this drum, but in this film, Joanna Cassidy is 43 and Bob Hoskins is about 46. And that feels right and appropriate. And I just wonder if it would be cast like that now. You hope so, but I don't know. I'm surprised it was cast like that then. I mean, like now you'd you'd hope that it would be, but back then it was unusual. Yeah. And it just feels proper. Mm. It feels... It feels like a real relationship. When she hugs him and and she goes, what did she say? I've already found... A good man, and you're yeah. like, that's like, it feels like this is meant to be. Yeah, it doesn't and also, feel weird because Jessica Rabbit is such like a siren, like a sex siren. I think the temptation would be to sort of frump Dolores up a little bit because mm. you just have these two female archetypes. But that isn't; they don't do that to Dolores. Yeah. Did you like the moment? And I'm mentioning this now because I'm going to come back to it at the end in the bit. But the bit where. He goes, you mean you could have taken your hand out of that cuff at any time? And he goes, no, not at any time. (laughs) Only when it was funny. That's like something you would say. That that made me think of you a lot. Because it is like, because it's just fucking people up. (laughs) For no good reason other than your own entertainment. I did really enjoy it. I thought it was good. I saw myself in that moment. I like that whole section where he's hiding him in the washing up and stuff like that. I think that's really good. Yeah. So uh, we flee it now. We go into Toontown on the trail of Jessica. So first first of all, the animated gun that Eddie has is 
brilliant and the bullets are hilarious. I found going through the red curtain, I, I remembered that sense of excitement from when I was younger. But once we got into Toontown, it, oh, it was just super sketchy. Like it really stressed me out because I think the film is saying anything can happen because it's animated and stuff does happen like the side of a building drops away and all the rest of it. Mm. But then it sort of gets rid of those rules. So Eddie at some point is running on stable ground. And then when Judge Doom appears, it's not like they do the trick once but then they they're like no no but we've done that now so now everything we, we you know the physics of the world remain the same and mm. that that I couldn't decide if that annoyed me or if I just needed that respite from the the mania of what was in front of you and how crowded the frame is and things like that. I think yeah I, I think it can't be too mad because if it was too mad you know you can't ruin you can't have no basic rules otherwise it would just be like it's pretty mad. I mean it is mad. It's insane. I, I couldn't look at that for more than two minutes. Yeah. Mm. Which I when I was a kid I could, but now just like ugh, tired. Did you recognise the tunnel that they went through to get into Toontown? Isn't it the one he used in Back to the Future Two? It is it the one like he used in the one yeah, Back to yeah. the Future Two. Yeah, and there's so many music cues that Alan Silvestri does that are similar to Back to the Future. I thought this guy, this guy's getting paid for nothing. <laughs> it's, he's just used copy and paste. <laughs> so this is where we see a lot of our favourite tunes: so Mickey Mouse, Bugs Bunny, Droopy, Tweety Pie. Um, lots of others. And they had to be careful. That scene where Bugs and Mickey are doing the parachute thing, mm. Disney said, you can't have Mickey trick him because Mickey wouldn't do that. Yeah. And so Bugs has to be the mm. stinker. Uh, but originally they both sort of that's played that's tricks I on never liked Eddie. Me. I never understood the thing about Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is so boring. He is. I don't know anyone who loves Mickey Mouse. No, I don't. I know people that love the merch, but no one's like, oh, I cannot wait to watch Mickey Mouse get in this crazy adventure. <laughs> he just, he's really nice to everyone. Yeah, Bugs Bunny is hilarious. My favourite is always Tom and Jerry, and it's a shame that they're not in this. Yeah. I would have quite liked to have seen um, Popeye in this as well. I mean, it was a big Popeye fan really? as a kid. Yeah, I think they tried to get the rights for Popeye. They, yeah. they wanted everyone. They wanted everyone. If, they're not, if it's a famous character who's not in it, it's because they just couldn't secure the rights. Yeah. Yeah. I do think this Mickey and Bugs scene is nowhere near as good as Daffy and Donald. Yeah, that's true. I think that's one of the best Warner Brothers and Disney working together moments. Yeah. Um, so Jessica saves Eddie from Doom, who's behind this by now quite complicated web of deception that ended up with Roger being framed. He's obviously behind it. There's no surprise there. But so that's a little bit frustrating. But then we very quickly go back to the Acme factory for the big um, Act 3 set piece. So it's kind of fine. It's because... a 30 minute climax. Yeah, yeah. I watched it a couple of times this weekend. I couldn't believe we get we get there sort of an hour and 10 minutes in and it's it lasts for 30 minutes. But it's all good, actually. Like, yeah. It, I think it all works in time in terms of plot and action and theme. Yeah. I mean, so you've got, you know, and obviously this sort of Chinatown-esque uh, subplot running through it about... Um, deception and bribery and corruption and town planning. Well, well, it, is, it is very complicated, but it's still, it still it does still go. It hits the big beats really well. It's like you've got the ticking clock. It's like by midnight tonight, we need to find the will. Otherwise, the tunes lose Toontown and to was, Cloverleaf. Yeah. And it was interesting reading around it that it's based on a true thing. That, yeah. that, 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 that this plot. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. He, so here, Judge Doom is doing all he can uh, to dismantle the cable car company because he's going to build the freeways. And in real life, LA was built around this connectivity, and General Motors and Ford set about dismantling the infrastructure so that they could get their cars on the roads. Mm. And so that, I think that was really cool that it's taken from yeah. reality, like Chinatown when the water, like that's all real. Um, 
so yeah, like you said, do kids love this shit? They, do. <laughs> they love infrastructure. They love to know how you can have a city in the desert. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did not understand any of this no, as a kid. I'd forgotten no. about all of it. No, but you don't care because no. you're watching the pretty colours. And, and also, the weasels. You haven't mentioned the, oh, the yeah. weasels. <laughs> I like the weasels. Yeah, they're great. They are fun. I think as well, there's you know, there's a lot because Christopher Lloyd is so awesome, when he's talking about the description of what the eight-lane freeway will look like, hmm. and then he ends with like, "My God, it will be beautiful." It'll be beautiful. It kind of doesn't matter what you just said because as a child, you're like, "Yay!" Yeah. <laughs> but what? Yeah. So he makes sure that you get what you need from that. Bob as- Hoskins doesn't like it. He does like it, so it's a bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's as simple <laughs> it's a, as that. Yeah. Uh, so Doom and Eddie have a big fight, and the film here does what it's been doing throughout, which. Maybe as a grown-up, is a bit frustrating. But again, as a child, you're like, awesome. Which is kind of showing off its box of tricks. So there are some scenes are very long because they want to show you, look, Bob Hoskins is acting with an animated rabbit. And so some scenes go on a bit. And so this stuff about the portable holes and things like that, these things don't necessarily pay off, but this portable holes one does. Yeah, so does the mallet. I'd say a yeah. lot. I'm, I actually... What I'm... about the sword that's Frank Sinatra? Well, that's just a joke for the, that scene at the end. Yeah. But I, I think this movie... I was really impressed with how many I's at dots and T's at crosses mm. by the end. Every yeah. payoff, yeah. Everything it sets up, it then pays off. Yeah. Apart from the singing Ro- sword. Like, like we didn't mention, Roger kisses him and he says, never do that again. Yeah. And of course, that's going to pay off in a minute. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, Doom is steamrolled. But guess what? He's a tune. <laughs> that is frightening. Yeah. It's absolutely. Do you not remember as a kid being like, oh my God? I only remembered him being steamrolled. And then when he stands up, and he's got these spiralling red eyes and he uses this creepy... <laughs> he is such an incredible performer because if you've ever met Christopher Lloyd, he's incredibly quiet and incredibly shy. And then when you see him in movies, it's just unbelievable how he transforms himself. Yeah. Like, there's not many that could, could have pulled off what he does in this scene. I realised I'd blocked it out because of how scary it is. Yeah. I thought he stood up and then he got melted. But obviously there's quite a long scene where he is his toon self and he's sort of spiralling towards Eddie. And the kids were fucking terrified. Yeah, it's got it's got real Wicked Witch uh, vibes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, intentionally, though. Yeah. yeah. I'm melting. Well, that's the thing, because the dip, if you're a toon, this dip is a very bold move. Because obviously, like, one wrong move and you're gone and that is what happens. And that's a little bit disappointing. And one of the kids pointed out this thing that at some point, Christopher Lloyd, as a toon, Doom, is walking through the dip and nothing bad happens. He's wearing shoes, so his toon self isn't touching the dip. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, he's got human shoes on. He's wearing a human rubber suit. Oh, yes, which of they course actually he is. say at the end. Of course he is. Um, so anyway, yeah, he melts himself, the mm. idiot. Then the machine that's got all this dip in it, uh, all the dip sort of runs down the drains. There's no dip left. That's very important. And it plows through into Toon Town and then loads of cartoons turn up just so you can spot loads of cartoons. And, and one thing that I didn't spot, because it's almost impossible, uh, but Zemeckis on the commentary says there's a train goes by as soon as they get through that hole. Yeah. There's a murder happening in every window on that train. <laughs> Why have you put that in a kid's film? He's yeah. so proud of it. Yeah. Attention to detail in quite a weird way. That you would never notice. You wow. would never notice, especially not back then when you couldn't pause it. Well, Talking I guess about I read the things. things. Oh, no, are you going to talk about the bashing the lamp, bumping the lamp? No, tell me. I, it's either, I should have remembered. It's either, it's cool. It's a, you know, the term like you've jumped the shark or whatever. Yeah. So, like, blah, blah, blah. so it's like bumping the lamp or bashing the lamp. So there's, there's a scene where Roger and Eddie are in an office and, or in a room, and Eddie keeps bashing his head on an overhead 
light. Mm. So the in the frame, the light is swinging around the room, which illuminates Roger in a different way. So they had to keep matching the animation to the live action and have this rotating light, which changed every time they did another take and all the rest of it. So the animators were like, we have to get it right. And everyone else was like, no one will notice. But they said, but we have to. So it's this phrase of like, when you go to extra lengths to make sure it's perfect. Okay. I thought you were going to talk about the, the famous Laserdisc controversy that came out when this was released on Laserdisc right. and you could pause it frame by frame. Some uh, ardent fans of uh, Jessica Rabbit oh, paused no. it frame by frame and found shots that the animators had left in where she was nude. Yeah, on the commentary, they do actually mention the fact that with Betty Boop, mm. uh, animators had her flash as an inside joke because there was no way to go through a film frame by frame back then that didn't realise you would be able to in the future. So word got to Disney and they removed it. So, yeah, they acknowledged it on the, on, the, on that commentary. But so, um, a lot of Laserdisc stockers said that they sold out after this news came out that you could see Jessica Rabbit knew their entire stock was sold in 24 hours. It is fascinating, isn't it? Because she's not a real... This is pre-internet, by the way. Yeah, she's not a real person, but she doesn't look like a real person. She looks like a hyper-real person. Mm. But what does it tap into? I'm genuinely asking, without judgment, in your subconscious that you're like, I want to see that without a dress on. <laughs> like it doesn't. Well, it doesn't make sense, does it? I don't know. Like I don't know, Chris. I don't know. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> me? I do. Think I it's... didn't buy one of these laser discs. <laughs> no, I think I think it's a little bit grubby because I read the list of animators and I'm pretty sure they're all dudes. So like sitting around in this office in Camden, going put nipples on it. <laughs> I don't like that one bit, but. Um... Whatever, I guess. Oh, I just had another thought. I don't. Anyway, that's enough for that. So Roger and Jessica are together again because they do love each other. Uh, Dolores is here. Eddie is healed. That's the end. Agreed? Yeah, that <laughs> is officially the end. I've, I've watched the movie. I can confirm did, that's did, the end. Have yeah. you watched the deleted scene? Because that's that was fully rendered. Um, I'm sure it's online. It's on the Blu-ray. It's called The Pig's Head. Uh, there's a scene where Eddie's snooping around Jessica's dressing room and the gorilla knocks Eddie out. He comes to Judge Dude's interrogating him um, and he gets then gets thrown into Toontown by weasels. He spends the night there and then he's thrown out with a bag on his head mm. at that same tunnel. And then um, what's happened is the Toons have put a pig's head, a huge animated pig's head on his head. And you can see Bob Hoskins' head through the mouth of the animated pig's head and he's running through the streets screaming and then he gets into the apartment washes it off with turpentine and you see the animated pig's head go down the drain that's why he comes out of the bathroom with his tie on but no shirt on <laughs> um they added the sound of a toilet flushing in that scene mm. but actually he was in the shower because it's, he's dressed in such a strange way it makes yeah. no sense i don't know why they cut it out it's a brilliant scene and it's four minutes but i just thought that would be a good one to tell you about also the prequels they were going to do. I listened to a great docu uh, documentary podcast called The Best Movies Never Made. Nat Maudlin spent four years writing scripts for prequels to Roger Rabbit. One of them was called Who Discovered Roger Rabbit? That was sort of a Singing in the Rain style movie. But the other one he said that he got really excited about was Spielberg phoned him up and said Tom Cruise wants to do Roger Rabbit. And so he wrote Toon Platoon. And the story to that was Roger lives on a farm in Kansas and doesn't realise he's a toon. He heads to Hollywood with his best friend Richie, played by Tom Cruise. But on the way, they join the army. Uh, Richie, uh, the Cruise character, is afraid of heights, but he ends up in a plane who's afraid of flying. <laughs> and they assemble this toon platoon because toons are so hard to kill. 
And Nate says uh, he's not sure why it fell apart, but there's two theories. One is that Spielberg was about to make Schindler's List and didn't want to make a movie about naughty Nazis. Mm. That's the one that seems to be online. But he says the real truth is it was going to cost too much money. The fact was at that point, Spielberg and Cruz were both making money on every dollar that a film made. And because of how much it would have cost to shoot this movie, it wouldn't have broken even. Mm. So that's why we didn't get Toon Platoon starring Tom Cruise and Roger Rabbit. It was a shame. Uh, oh, and at the end, both films had Roger looking for his mum, both versions, finding her at the end, asking her about her, his dad, and then the film cuts to Bugs Bunny, who says, ain't I a stinker? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and that was the ending both times. <laughs> oh, no. Um, let's do the bits questions then. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, your best scene. Um, I mean, I'm tempted to say when he pulls his hand out of the handcuffs, it's the best joke. But actually, if I'm being honest, with Kid Me, it would have been the cartoon at the start. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Grown Up Me, it's when that cartoon segues into the live action. Yeah. Because that's when you know we ain't in Kansas anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. What about you? I really like shaving a haircut. Um, I okay. think it's a really nice moment. I don't understand. What does it mean? I don't understand it. Is it's, it a real thing? Yeah. I didn't know that. I, under- I understand that it connects with the knocking. It began, in, it began as a sign-off to... Uh, Comedy songs in 1899. Right. It was yeah, and uh, and then it's been used throughout uh, time, sort of around the 20s and 30s. It, right. it grew and grew and grew. Uh, in fact, in the Vietnam War, American POWs would use it to work out whether the prisoner who'd been brought into the cell next to them that they couldn't see was a U.S. prisoner of war by doing dun, 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 on the cell wall, and if it came back, dun, dun, then yeah. they knew they were another oh, nice. U.S. POW. Okay. Right. But I just love the bit where Eddie spins around and sees Roger just like trying to stop himself, finish the song. Oh, yeah, that is good. So that bit, but really it's the shoe dip. I think it's, I mean, it's an upsetting scene, but it's by far the one thing that when you close your eyes and think, Roger Rabbit, you remember that scene. Yeah, I mean, I was going to pick it, but it's too upsetting. So I'm picking when uh, Judge Doom goes bananas as a tune with all that scary stuff because it's really impressive. Um, most valuable whatever, Alex. Roger Rabbit and all those who went into creating him. That's nice. I love him. I love him. I've told you before, my theory about animated characters is the fact that because they exist solely in the movie that they are watching, that you are watching, and the story that you're watching, you end up feeling more emotion for them than you do an actor who comes with real world baggage Mm -hmm. into a movie. So that bit where he's crying over the photos at the start when he's shown patty cake with uh, Marvin Acme and Jessica, I'm genuinely like, it breaks my heart. He's going, please, it can't be true. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, I get really upset. I almost cried. Okay. What about you? Uh, Bob Hoskins, because you can't feel emotion for an animated character when it's looking at photos and crying. <laughs> but when Bob Hoskins looks at those photos of his brother and gets emotional, that's when I feel emotion because yep. I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the way Bob Hoskins yeah, sure. uh, sells it in this movie, uh, I got a quote from him. He says, I had to learn to hallucinate to do it. After six months, 16 hours a day, I lost control of it. I sort of had weasels and rabbits popping out of the wall at me at all times of the day. And he didn't take another job for a year because he was struggling. Wow. Okay. So so that commitment and uh, yeah, he he sells Roger. He is also my MVW because I too am a human being. Uh, <laughs> and also I think... Are you saying, have you never cried at a Pixar movie? Yeah, I'm just saying yes. here, Bob Hoskins is, is better but, than uh, Yeah, rabbit. towards the end, I guess. Like, or the start Oh, actually, when, when Nemo gets... What about Up? What about the montage oh, God, in Up? Yeah, All right, exactly. All right, so a little yeah. less of this. I'm human. <laughs> Bob Hoskins gives it heart. And the trickery is all awesome, but if if Bob wasn't there, it would just be a trick. So there we go. 
Um, one change, uh, Chris. So I'd like to make a change that apparently they talked about on the set, but they didn't do because uh, they were concerned. Uh, in the original script, uh, the shoe that goes into the dip had a mate. Right. The other shoe, a husband or wife. And, that, <laughs> and we were going to cut to that other shoe watching it happen. <gasps> oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Let's stick that in. Holy uh, fucking Christ. Let's tip it over the edge. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, my God, and a child. Mama. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> That's awful. That's really dark. What's wrong with people? I thought like that. <laughs> wow. They must have had a laugh when they were coming up with that. <laughs> Uh, what about you? So I've got a very, very specific one. You know when Eddie's doing the song at the end? Yeah. And he's like, I'm through with taking falls and bouncing off the walls. Without that gun, I'd have some fun. I'd kick you in there. Yeah. And then he gets bonked on the head. Yeah. And Roger goes, nose. Yeah. And the weasels, who Eddie's been trying to make kill themselves by laughing, suddenly go to, that's not, that doesn't rhyme, mm -hmm. and stop laughing. And then he kicks the weasel into the dip, and that's how he kills him. We've set up earlier that Roger knows funny. That is his one thing. So how he says something unfunny in that moment... Isn't, it, isn't he joking? I don't think so. Isn't the joke that he's, he's got the rhyme wrong? No, I don't think so. Okay. I, think it's, I think it's just a weird... But I know funny, so... <laughs> I think it's just a weird moment uh, for a character that sort of can only do things like almost reflex, can yeah. only do things when they're funny. But you can't mm. say balls in a Disney film. No, I know. No, I think he's saying it as a joke. Okay. Okay. That's my change. All right. <clears throat> that is specific. I know. Uh, my it's change. It's the rest of the movie is perfect. Change is take that naked shoe out of my laser disc version. That is fucking weird. Didn't need to see that. Naked Not... shoe? Yeah. It's a joke. Not really. My change is what? Teddy gets free. What shoe? No, I was joking. Don't, don't, don't be a twat. <laughs> what is it, Chris? Stop it. Come on, we're near the end now. So, Teddy gets fridged to give Eddie character. I would like to have seen Teddy and Eddie in a flashback doing their detective stuff and a happy Eddie to show the progression kind of thing. So, he's in photographs and he's got all these dusty artifacts and stuff like that. But I would like to have seen Eddie before he was a bit more of like a broken man kind mm. of thing. Good that's chat. That's it. Yeah, that's pretty simple. That's it. Lovely stuff. Shall we do a quiz? Let's do a quiz. So uh, we're doing Detective Pikachu uh, on Thursday, which has a cameo from the DJ Diplo. And I right. thought, oh, Diplo sounds a bit like a Pokemon. Right. So the quiz this week is I'm going to give you a name and you're going to tell me if it's an international DJ or a Pokemon. No way. But I'm going to preface them all I know with nothing the letters about DJ to confound <laughs> you both. Okay. Uh, so we're going to start with... DJ Scribble. Is DJ Scribble a DJ or a Pokemon? DJ. DJ. Correct. DJ. DJ Shroomish. Pokemon. Pokemon. Correct. You guys are good at this. DJ Grimer. Pokemon. DJ. Pokemon. Grimer, <sighs> of course. DJ, DJ Minghead. <laughs> DJ. Uh, DJ. Poke, uh, DJ, you're both right. <laughs> uh, DJ Skitty. DJ. Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> DJ Blissey. DJ. DJ. Pokemon. Oh! Uh, DJ Boogaloo. DJ. Pokemon. DJ. Shit. DJ Mankey. <laughs> uh, Pokemon. DJ. 
Pokemon. Shit. Two left. DJ Drowsy. DJ. Pokemon. Pokemon. Where are we up to here? One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, you need this to, to draw it, Vic. Whatever. <laughs> she pretends she doesn't care. <laughs> DJ Gloom. DJ. DJ. Pokemon. Vicky, Ali, Vicky loses. Alex wins. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> that was great. That was a great quiz. Another great quiz. These quizzes recently, Chris have been tremendous. I've spent all week on them. I really appreciate it. There's thought gone in. They're not easy. It's, how are you doing over there? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. yeah. I just have to... I'm just learning so much about myself. <laughs> you don't look all right. I find it so, so hard. Mm. Come on. I've told you before, it's not the losing, it's losing to you. <laughs> oh, and it's not the winning, it's beating you. <laughs> Next week, uh, let's look ahead. Uh, Victoria's choices. What's the clue, Victoria? <laughs> oh, God, is it better than Junior? No, it's nothing's better than that, but it's up there. Um, I wonder what you're going to make of it. I'm either so pleased with myself or it's just nonsense. Are you ready? Yeah. If you're bored, Ria, just play a video game. You don't get it, do you, yeah, I dummy? Do, I do. Do you? <laughs> Is this because I beat you in the quiz? Yes. <laughs> so one more time for those at the back. <laughs> if you're bored, Ria, just play a video game. It's good, isn't it? Fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> All right, before then, that's your clue. We're back on Thursday talking 2019's Detective Pikachu featuring all your favourite Pokemon. Please subscribe <laughs> in the meantime. Rate and indeed review us if you've got the time. It's a great help. And check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at Clash One. Bye-bye. Speak to you Thursday. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 